Hi, my name is Jamie Callistar, and you are listening to Raise Your Voice, the podcast where we talk about everything from race, religion, diversity, social justice, and even hip-hop culture. And my guest today is a very good friend, a scholar, an advocate who's not afraid to speak truth to power, my very own friend, Pastor Rebecca Davis. And so, Rebecca, thank you for being here. Welcome to Raise Your Voice. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, it's great. So we're just going to have a good conversation and talk about a few things, uh, a few questions that I had on my mind, and I'm sure you're going to be able to answer them. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, as you said, my name is Rebecca Davis, and um, I'm from the amazing, amazing state of Kentucky. You were supposed to laugh, Jamie. No, I'm not laughing. It's okay. (laughs) Kentucky's all right. So um, I've been pastoring now for about eight years in the Adventist church, and um, I've really, it's been a journey for me. I've appreciated uh, some aspects of it more than others, but um, it's been an amazing journey. I think I've grown and learned so much in eight years. I'm also a mom of two amazing kids, Olivia and Justin, and um, they are definitely my greatest achievements achievements to date. And so um, (laughs) I enjoy playing basketball and crossfitting every day. (laughs) But other than that, there's not much to me. I'm pretty simple, pretty simple person. Wow. Look, so everybody doesn't crossfit every day. So that that, that doesn't make you very simple. (laughs) But but that's what's up. I'm I'm glad that you're able to uh, find time in your busy schedule to do crossfit because it's important to take care of the, uh, not just the health of the body, but the health of the mind. So that's kudos to you. Hopefully it inspired the listeners, primarily myself, to get up and get out and get something <laughs> and take care, take care of my body. But, you know, you said something in your introduction um, that I kind of want to I want to talk a little bit more about. And you said it's had its ups and its downs, its yeah. challenges and, yeah. you know, its peaks and valleys. Are there any specific ones that you can think of? I mean, we all know that work and life just naturally comes for that. But in relation to you being a female in a male-dominated workforce in the area of pastoring, uh, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced uh, that you could think of? Well, of course, those are great questions. I think for the most part, Jamie, um, up until I actually became a, a legit pastor, uh, I felt pretty supported in ministry at the seminary by my colleagues. You know, um, I never really felt that, that um, you know, that being a female uh, um would 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 be an issue, I guess, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. But once I became a pastor, I started to see when I was in my first church how, you know, the members would interact with me or certain things that they would say. I'll never forget I had uh, two elders arguing right in front of me because one of them called me sister and the other one called me pastor. And the one that called me uh, pastor was arguing against the one that called me sister. Like, she's Pastor Davis. He's like, she's sister. I'm literally standing right there. Like, not wow. <laughs> I'm not in the other room. I, I'm literally watching them fight. And, you know, one was bent on just calling me sister and not really giving me that respect. And that's kind of where it all started, just um, understanding um, how people viewed uh, me as a female pastor, you know, like mm. if, as I'm actually functioning in the role and how they thought, I, I mean, from things of how they thought I should look to how, you know, they, they didn't think I should baptize or, you know, uh, one more thing that really sticks out to me. I never forget the day I had the privilege of baptizing my mom who had been Catholic all her life. And I'll never forget Jamie when it was over, I'm standing at the door shaking hands and this woman comes up to me. She was like, are you an ordained pastor? You know, she's really just trying to put me in my place. Wow. And I was like, no, really kind of insinuating. Well, you shouldn't have even been baptizing her. Right. I mean, we couldn't even celebrate the moment that like this wow. woman has just been baptized and really had this um, experience with, with God. And um, the lady just was like, she just looked at me and walked off. I was like, uh, trifling. <laughs> yeah, very, very trifling. And, you know, like, what, what's crazy to me is um, what I've discovered is that a lot of pushback comes from women yeah. um, in regards to women in ministry. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I'm discovering, too, is that religion um, religion is a, is a very interesting dynamic because it's um, 
a lot of times, sometimes it's man-made rules and regulations that we um, that we try to make them seem as thus saith the Lord. You know, right. so so like there's nothing biblical that says an ordained or unordained person can't baptize somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. But, but we so <laughs> caught up on, you know, are you ordained? You can't do this. Like there's nothing that changes about you um, in regards to what you can do and can't do based off of a title that yeah. is that a human being gives you. And what's sad is that we have this idea in the church that different makes you deficient. So it's almost right. like, because you mm. are female, you are deficient mm. in right. some way, which makes you incapable right. of that's doing good. what males do. Yeah. Man, that's, um, no, that's really good. I mean, just being able to learn how to navigate through that um, is, that's really, for a female in ministry, that is, a lot of your journey, just learning how to navigate, navigate that, you know, mm-hmm. like where, where people feel that you're deficient because of your gender or whatever. And uh, honestly, and it's so, I, I wouldn't say it's just the flesh, but most every part of me wanted to rise to every single occasion because of that. It was like, uh, I cannot go out here and do poorly because you automatically see me as deficient. So I'm going to literally knock this thing out the park. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That was that was my mindset in most situations because I was like, it will not be said said that she's not a great leader, that she can't move a church, that she can't baptize, that she can't do this, you know, that or the other. I was like, they'll they'll never be able to say that about me. And I know that was so flesh, but it was just definitely a mentality that I had. Yeah, no, but it's a reality because the truth is you women are held to a higher degree than men are. So like we can mess up and it's okay. But if one of you, because you are a minority, if one of you mess up, it's like all of y'all are messed up and the narrative starts. Oh, that's why we shouldn't be hiring women. That's so true. It's so true. And so like when we get in trouble, you know, and I'm going to say when we get in trouble, we just get put in a box and shipped somewhere until they forget about it. But you know, if, if one of the sisters should God forbid do something, oh my goodness, it, it I'll never forget. Never... I mean, you make such a great point. I'll never forget when I declined commissioning down there in South Atlantic. It was like, oh man, we're not gonna hire another female pastor for a while. I mean, it wasn't just it. So what I did was just not going to impact me or get put in some box or shit somewhere. It was like, oh no, we can't hire another one because what if she does this? I mean, so it was mm-hmm. like this whole ripple effect, and that to me was just so. Um, I don't. Even, I don't even know the word to to describe it. It was just wow, you would actually impact the li- the li- livelihood of like another woman, you know, mm-hmm. because I declined commissioning, but it looked, it was, it was, it was, that was the thought. Like, well, if you do it, all of them are going to do it. And we can't hire any of y'all because we can't afford for anybody to stand up and, you know, to make that stance. And that was just, that was very, very interesting to me. Yeah. So, so it's almost like you, you have to live and I never thought yeah. about it, but it's like, you have to live in defense mode and protection mode throughout in ministry and protection of your name, protection of the other females coming behind you because you not just represent yourself, you represent an entire community. It's exactly you know, it's similar to blacks in America. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, when one of us mess up, it's like we all messed up. We just <laughs> we like all, yeah. like Ben Carson. You're like, come on, Ben. Like, <laughs> seriously, like we try to ride with you and you just messing everything up for everybody else. But um yeah, well, that that's a great perspective. I'm glad you mentioned that. No, but I, I love I love that you you um you brought that out. At the end of the day, as women in ministry, we have to think bigger than ourselves. Like I don't know if you guys have to think about the guy that comes after you, but we have to think like that. It's like, man, I'm not just out here for myself. Like this is a win for women. This is going to make a way or pave the way for somebody else. Like that has to always be in the back of our minds to mm-hmm. continue to like work hard to make sure that we open up the door for somebody else, for another woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's powerful. That's powerful. And that's a lot of pressure. That's it is a, whole, a lot of pressure. That's a whole <laughs> lot of pressure. So let's go back to, to you um, refusing to be commissioned, like kind of walk me through that. Why did you um, choose not to allow the conference to commission you? 
Yeah. So let me say that, you know, down, I was in South Atlantic before. I, right now I'm in um, Southeastern California Conference. Uh, before I came, accepted the call to come here, I was in South Atlantic Conference and I worked in um, Georgia. Um, and I had only been in ministry for a couple of years, but I had a lot of service years um, behind me. Uh, but I don't even think it had been two years yet. It might have been two years, but um you know, they were, they were talking about commissioning, commissioning me. And I started to read the church manual. I just wanted to see what, for myself, what the difference was between commissioning and ordination. And, you know, I hadn't really sat in too many, uh, you know, at too many tables where the argument was going. I I mean, I really didn't, it wasn't something that I really burdened myself with. But because they were talking about commissioning me, I wanted to understand it for myself. And I started to see, like, according to policy, there were so many different things that, you know, an ordained pastor could do and a commissioned pastor couldn't couldn't do or, you know, and really at the end of the day that a head elder, unless I was a commissioned pastor ordained as an elder, I should say, um, in my local church, according to policy, an, an, an ordained elder had more, or I should say a head elder had more authority in the church, technically, according to policy, than I would have, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I thought that was extremely interesting. And I remember I was bringing it to my president. We were we would sit and we would talk it through and talk it through. And um, it really was a battle for me all the way up until the day that I was supposed to go in before the ordination committee and I was struggling. I was talking to everyone. I was like, there's no way in good conscience I can take on commissioning when it's clearly discrimination. And so it was really a battle. I mean, really, um, you know, like a lot of people felt like, man, I should have said something way before, but it, it, it didn't happen like that. It was just, like I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm, 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 I'm researching it for myself. I'm trying to understand it and figure it out for myself. And literally up until the moment I called, you know, my then husband and I was like, um, this is what I'm going to do. It literally happened that moment that I'm, I'm going to turn it down. So we, he was fine. We walked in there and, and, um, sure enough, they asked me, they said, we're, we are going to commission you, not ordain you. How do you feel about that? And I said, well, do you want my honest opinion? Because <laughs> I can give you what you might want to hear. And he was like, well, I want to hear your honest opinion. And I began to tell them that it's, you know, how I felt. And um, just after researching it, that I really didn't want to take it on. And um, and really, it was more kind of like, let me forego it until our denomination decides to ordain without regard for gender. And, um, you know, there are a lot of black men just sitting around the table and they you could tell they felt away by some of the things they were saying and, you know, the comments they were making. And I was like, well, you guys of all people should understand why this mm. I have to do this, right? Right. Um, as black men, as people who probably marched, because there were some older guys there. I was like, as people who actually took a stand, like did some sit-ins or, you know, whatever the case may be, I was like, you guys should understand this, but they didn't. And I think that was, I think they, you know, some people in the room took it personal. And I'm telling you, after that was probably... It was probably two weeks directly after that. It was probably the worst two weeks of my life. I yeah. experienced. And, and, we'll, and we'll talk a little bit, but you know, the audacity of, you know, the audacity of the men to, first of all, create this little title, <laughs> this little subtitle, yeah. but at the same expense, they expect you to meet all the goals and measurables that a ordained pastor would meet. So you still got to show up to your church every week. You still got to meet baptismal goals. You still got to reach tithe goals, but yet you can't have the same title for us, the same title as us. And to think that that's okay in 2000 and, you know, I mean, they still doing it. It's 2019 that you right. still have conferences that are still doing that. And the other problem I see with it is that just like in society and the church is supposed to be different, you have a bunch of men making decisions on behalf of what a woman can do in in her, in her area or in her field of work. And not just what a woman can do, you know, going a little further than that. We, we even make decisions on what y'all could do with y'all bodies, 
how y'all right. can look. And so it's this blatant, as you state, discrimination um, across the board. And what's even worse about our discrimination is we hide behind the scriptures to justify yeah. it. Yeah. And so let me say this, Jamie, because I don't want to put this on the guys who were in the room that I, I I believe that under different circumstances, like if let's say Southern Union actually ordained women, I believe that South Atlantic would have ordained me, right? Mm-hmm. I think what hurt me was that none of them stood with me. Yeah. So it was like, well... Um, as a matter of fact, like I said, it was taken more kind of personally than anything. And it, I, and and so I felt like they were, some of them were kind of coming for me, actually, as opposed to really standing with me. And I think that was the thing that really kind of hurt, hurt me more than anything. It was like, man, I, I believe that you guys uh, support me and my ministry and you know whatever but it's like when when it comes time though to take this stand or stance nobody there was there was I was alone yeah and that was that was really what hurt but I know that if the world church did ordain I mean I think y'all wouldn't have a problem with that right y'all mm-hmm. you, you guys would do that y'all support women y'all hire me like you know whatever but man, to really stand up and speak out against the church, I yeah. was by myself. Yeah. And, and, and it matters like, and so you, and it matters too. It's like when you're standing, like, like stand with me in public, don't come to me after and be like in private and be like, yo, that was real bold. What you did. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. like, I don't need that right now. When, when I need <laughs> you to be there, I need you to stand up. Oh, um, but that's so, um, that's so unfortunate. So, so now you, you're not in that conference anymore. But, you know, let me backtrack. So for people who are listening who aren't Seventh-day Adventists, um, commissioned and ordained. So just to let you understand, in our denomination, we, uh, we take about, what is it, three or four years or whatever it is before mm-hmm. you can get ordained. It's a, a committee that looks at you, sees uh, God's spirit on you, and then they, I know I'm jacking this thing up, and then they say you are fit <laughs> You're for doing ordination. A, a fairly good job. <laughs> and then for, 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 for women, we have taken a stand that women cannot be ordained, and so that we created a title called commission, which gives them certain, uh, I guess, uh, certain advancements, but not all the advancements of men. So anybody who's wondering what these titles that we're throwing around, that's kind of in a nutshell what it's all about. Um, so my next question. Well, really, is, let me say this. Really, yeah. I think it was more so a way that women could women pastors could make the same amount of money as mm-hmm. male pastors, because at the end of the day, a treasurer of a conference can be commissioned. A Bible worker can be commissioned. A chaplain can be commissioned. In the Adventist church, there is only one track for a pastor, really, and that's ordination. And women are not afforded that opportunity to really. So we function in the role, yes, but we could never really be seen in this denomination as pastors. That's right. Yeah. And with ordination comes perks, um, such right. as you can start a church, you can uh, ordain right. other elders, and then you're recognized all over the world. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, okay, so cool. So so now um, you're not in South Atlantic anymore. You are now in California. Um, you're in Southeastern Conference, that's correct? Right, and Southeastern California Conference. Southeastern California Conference, and <laughs> you were, congratulations, ordained, uh, was it at the beginning of the year or very recently? It was like, it was in November. It was in November, yeah, the end of last year. So um, you're ordained, so how does that, um, do you feel like that's a victory? I mean, what are your thoughts? What are you, how do you, what, how have you been since? Do I feel like it's a victory? Mm-hmm. Um, I do in the sense that I I love the stance that my conference and my union has taken. Like, I, I just, I, th- I, I think they're amazing. <laughs> the stance that they've taken that even though, you know, the World Church has said um, one thing that they're saying, no, we're not going to discriminate against women. And um, I'm, I am honored to be a part of that. And that's really kind of more how I look at it more so than anything. Because for me, it's 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 really not that deep. 
and and but because at the heart of it is discrimination it is that deep if that makes sense so like i wouldn't be somewhere crying if no one ever you know ever never ordained me i think but though but because you're telling me that i can't be because i'm a woman it makes it that like a man i have to fight for this and so being able to be ordained in the face of what the world church is saying what is saying right now that was a privilege and honor for me however i stand firm with uh you know martin luther king jr when he says you know injustice anywhere is a threat against justice everywhere so even though i am ordained here i don't i can't uh relish in it or bask in it because at the end of the day there are so many people who women who are not and also, Jamie, like you said before, once I leave this union, it's not recognized. So really, at the end of the day, am I really ordained, if that makes right. sense? So it's it's like, <laughs> um, so there's still so much more groundwork and headway we need to to do and make. And so, I, I, but I, I celebrate definitely the small wins and uh, the small victories. And I do look at that as one of them. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you definitely have to to celebrate that. So I kind of look at it like this, and I think I shared with you before. Is like you left one prison, but now you in you in another prison, just a bigger yeah. one. You know, you yeah. got you got a little bit more room to walk around in this prison than you were right, before. Right. But but the fight, you know, the fight is still needs to continue. And yeah. which which brings me to this, because you know, you had it's funny. Like I always say, you know, when um. Y'all pastors go to California. Y'all just fall off the map. We don't see y'all no more. <laughs> you know, y'all don't. We don't hear from I'm y'all just no 80 more. Eighty degrees today, man. And we just out here basking in the sun yeah, and the glory under, <laughs> underneath a palm tree while we are here <laughs> wrapping up because it's still winter in most most parts of America. But you kind of, um, you know, you were kind of like. I know. I remember one time you wrote an article, and this was when you were mm-hmm. in South Atlantic. I forgot the name of the article, and it. Yeah. You know, it almost felt like that article was the beginning of things. You, you, it's it like you became, you, you didn't become the company woman anymore. You know, yeah. after you wrote that article, it started setting things, you know, you started setting things on fire. And then yeah. now you've come back with another article and you starting to make waves again. And I read the article and I've, Man, it was well written. You did your research, and I heard your heart speaking out. So, help me understand: Were you? Was this something that you had been sitting on for a while? Um, and why did you write it? And I'm gonna just tell the people the title of it. It's called "Am I My Sister's Keeper? Women's Ordination and the Black Adventist Church." Um, yeah. yeah. So, tell me, what was so the inspiration? So, I um, the. <laughs> The inspiration was well, Sydney, Doctor Sydney Freeman, I should say. He um, he actually hit me up one day um, because I made some comments about an article that he had written after the annual council meetings, where you know, er, uh, you know, they had dressed up in the colonial garb and the comments that uh, <laughs> Ted Wilson had made yeah. and um, looking like Django up there. Exactly. <laughs> and so. And so that he um he he had written a a, a a wonderful article and I made some comments in in his you know in the comment section because I was feeling like well you guys are all up in arms about what has um you know what the race issue but when it was just the woman's issue I didn't see these articles or whatever and so I think he it, that kind of resonated with him and so he hit me up offline and he was like look they've asked me to write another article and I would love for you, us to kind of co-write it right and so I told him what what I would like to um, write about which was you know exactly what the comments that I made why black men don't support the women's issue right um and as I, I, I just want to backtrack, as I mentioned before, when I declined commissioning, it wasn't that, man, um, you know, I felt like they they didn't support me as a woman in ministry per se. It was, well, when it was time to fight for me, they didn't, right? So I've been kind of carrying this for a long time. Like, man, why don't these Black men here at this in this room right now get it? 
and why aren't they like, yeah, well, you're going to do this. We're going to stand up for you too. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. And so I started to see it when this whole annual council thing happened, you know, um, I, um, a lot of my friends, a lot of uh, people on social media, they really weren't up in arms until the colonial guard pictures came out and until like, you know, Ted Wilson said what he said about uh, uh, social justice and, you know, uh, his dog whistle theology when he came to uh, certain worship styles or what have you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was really bothered. I was bothered because uh, you know, it seems like we're out here fighting this battle alone and our voices keep getting silenced. And I'm like, where are the black men who are going to stand up for this issue as well and really come hard for it? I mean, like they were they were all over Ted's. Uh, I, I should say Elder Wilson. Let me be respectful. Uh, they, they were all over his Twitter, like everything, man. Like I was like, man, y'all weren't doing that when it was just about this uh, unity document. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. where where was the where were the people that were fighting? And so I was I, I was ready to write that article with 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 some with a <laughs> with a strong arm, like just ooh, and come for all the black men that I knew, mm-hmm. but I did some research and I, fa- wait, before I go there, I want to know what you think about that, that whole concept, just that black men don't really oh. stand up for the cause. Oh, I'm with you 150%. Um, I think if they're the, the two gentlemen that I have the utmost respect for are Kimon Hines and Pucky Fordham. Um, when they decided to hand in their ordination license to be commissioned. And, you know, I wanted to, I had tried to do it the same time they did it, but then I got this bogus story about how I can't do it. And then, um, you know, but now I'm doing it again. And so it's coming up. So, and that's a whole nother story. I'm probably going to do another podcast about that in regards to, you know, it was supposed to have been done in February and they tabled it. And they were like, they want to have another conversation as if to try to talk me out of doing it. And which is crazy. It's like, no, if you know who I am and what I stand for, ain't no talking me out of this. I am convicted that this needs to happen. And I'll go a little further um, into why I think more men need to do it and why they and why it's very important. But in regards to your article, um, I'm with you. I think men need to pick this up and to see this as our fight and not just your fight. You know, I think that's what the problem is. We just see it as, oh, that's the women. You know, that's the thing. And since we already got what we want, you know, we just need to, we'll do a little poking here and poking there and give you lip service, but not actually action. So when you wrote that, and then I think, I think you saw in my response, (laughs) I was like, don't give us no pass. pass. (laughs) We need to, we need to get up on this. So, um, and that's what I wanted to say. Like at the end of the day, it was by no means to get because y'all jokers definitely need to do what y'all need to do in support of us. Right. I think I think what I was trying to say though in the article is, I after doing some research and seeing just learning how you know feminism, womanism, whatever, uh, learning about intersectionality, intersectionality like that, that men, black men, were kind of pushed out of those uh out of those causes and out of those 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 fights and um kind of intentionally it was Mm -hmm. like well so i can almost understand why you don't see it as your fight but i because we didn't allow you to see it as your fight but now we're asking you to to come join us you know so it was more so like i get it I understand, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I understand why, you know, the black men really aren't giving much, right? Like there is there's no system in place. Like even even black women, and some people might argue me argue me on this because I understand that black women have it hard. I am a black woman. I'm a single black woman with two kids. Like I know the life of a black woman. Like I'm I don't think I've ever been given anything that I've yeah. had to work extremely hard for. But I think even with that though there are systems in place that still allow me to uh, get a foot in the door. Even though I got to work twice as hard as everybody else, it's still, it's still like, oh man, well, well, I'm a woman. So I can, I can, I can also get into 
you know, this yeah. system or whatever. But what what the research I found was saying was that black men really don't have that. Like by virtue of being black, uh, you know, and then you think, oh man, they're male though. They have some 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 rights and some freedoms that they mm-hmm. they really don't. That's why they getting killed out here in the street. That's why they they are ed- educationally there's these huge disparities that they are being incarcerated at a far greater right. I mean, at the end of the day, we black women we're thriving when it comes to education. We're thriving in the work field. Like all I'm saying is that black men really do not have that space in this society to progress. Yeah. And so I'm saying, I I get it. And I understand that when you do get a little something, like become a conference president or become right. a, you know, conference administrator, it's hard for you to want to let that go. It's hard for you to want to stand for a cause right. that might threaten because you really don't get much out in, here, out right. here in this society. Like, I get it. Right. You know and that's mean? where, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry, that, finish your thought. That I, I'm sorry. Cut no, you no, off. That's, yeah. no, 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 no. Go ahead. You, you cut me off all the time, David. I know. That's right. That's right. We have, we have it, a women's empowerment <laughs> podcast, and I'm cutting you off. That's very good. <laughs> but um, but I feel you. So I agree with you um, 100% that in society that, you know, Black men are kind of like, you know, just fighting for what we can get. And when we get it, you know, we trying to hold on to it. So we don't want to jeopardize that. But I also think that within the church, um, that it's a, it's a society. So it's almost like the church is a society within a society. Right. And in the church society that we have made a lot of advancements and a lot of strides so that we can continue to fight for inequality and injustice. So it's almost like when I was, you know, with Caitlin and I and we were going somewhere and Caitlin left the door open. And, you know, I'm like, Caitlin, why'd you leave the door open? And she was like, just in case somebody else wants to get inside. Mm. And that's powerful because as black men, we got through the door and now we closing it, you know, and my thing and what I understand is this, is that, and this is my opinion, this is not the, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of anybody, that I don't believe that uh, we will not see this fight for women's ordination actually come to pass until one, we start opening the door and until one, and then the other thing too, that we begin to understand that nothing comes um, easily, but only through sacrifice, that we have to be willing to sacrifice some things. So like when you look at the civil rights movement, the difference with it today and yesterday was that those people were willing to lose their job in order for equality their lives yeah their lives like they were they were not going to work and they were marching and so when i see when i say like brothers need to start handing in their ordination license to be commissioned you're now doing a a act of civil disobedience where in a sense that you're going to topple this system to say yo this system is unjust and we cannot participate in an unjust system like when i was at pelk and this is what really pushed me to really hand in my ordination license was when I heard a minister get up, and I'm not going to say his name, but a minister got up and said, um, women, uh, hold on, stay in the boat, change is going to come. And so practically right there, I was like, first of all, black people in boats have never worked out well, <laughs> you know, number one. And then number two, how are you going to tell them to stay in the boat? They've been in the boat. Who's driving the boat? Who's staring it? And I looked at it as here is a person speaking from a place of privilege who has no fight or no, um, no need for ordination because it's already given to them. And they're telling people who are struggling that they need to stay in the boat, that one day it's going to change. And so my, you know, and the other thing too that, that I feel that we really need to get out as black men is the whole um, white validity um, and being socially accepted and want to be a part of their club and their crew. That everything we do, that, you know, we just want to make sure that we we don't rock the boat, that we stay in the boat, that we make sure, you know, we some good, good, good workers and that we're not fighting on behalf of our queens. And it's not fair to treatment. So that's where I stand. And so that's when I was kind of like pushing back on the article a little bit because I was like, nah, I get it that we are 
uh, oppressed, we that are we are in a system that you know views black men as the uh, the quintessential boogeyman that no matter where we go, we are always like marginalized. But I think within the society, within the church society, that we need to be a little bit more vocal, particularly when we contribute millions of dollars to the system. Speak to your thought, though, because I definitely understand what you mean about the society within the society. But I actually feel like we still, even though we have gotten a little bit, we are not, we're, I'm black, I mean, you know, black men, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, even though black men have gotten a little bit, they still are marginalized. Like, for instance, I mean, like, regional conference conferences are not really at the table when it comes to the largest, even though we bring in a lot of money, we bring in a lot of baptisms, we bring in a lot. It's like, okay, give them what they want, give them a little piece and put them over here, like you said, and as long as they're still company, you know, guys or whatever, we pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, they'll stay in line and keep sending us their money and keep sending them. So it, I do understand that, that there is a society within the society and Black men should, but I feel like they've given a little piece like to keep them quiet because, yeah. of, you know, the state conferences weren't really letting them do what they needed to do. So we had to come in with these regional conferences. OK, they have the regional conferences. Let them do whatever. So I do understand that they and within our society, they did get a little piece. But yeah. at the end of the day, I think it's still they're still pretty marginalized. And I feel like they're like, well, we have what we have and we want to keep what we have. So we're going to keep doing what we what we've always done. But definitely, I agree that they have to at some point they have to start making a stand, a stand for us. And not to say that the burden lies completely on on them, but we're in this thing together. So I think that was the really because you were giving me some pushback. I was like, Jamie, I hate him. But I think <laughs> I think that at the end of the day, it was more so like that. OK, I get it. We I understand. But still, let's yeah. champion each other. Let's that's right. Together. And, and and that's and that's and that's the key. That's the key. Yeah. And I think we're both at the same place where we need this needs to be our fight collectively. Yeah. yeah. And it needs to be looked at life and death. You know, yeah. it's, it's humanity, it's discrimination. And if that comes to a place where we have to say, look, we leave in your system. You know, we, we right. are protesting. We are protesting this right. in whatever way it needs to be. Then we need to do that if we really care about it, which is like, in my opinion, is that it's not really at the forefront of um, these administrators' uh, agenda. No, you know, it, it's and, not. And, and and the whole even the whole commissioning thing, it's like here, give them a bone, let them eat that. They're gonna be quiet, They'll and be let's quiet. Conti- yeah. and let's continue to keep on doing our our, our manly business and taking yeah. trips all over the world, talking about who knows what, spending all this budget money to. <laughs> I'm like, so y'all don't know about Zoom? Like y'all can't get on Google <laughs> Hangouts and have a meeting, and you know. And, but and that's the same. That's the same, Jamie, because they're giving us a little piece of the bone. But the reality is, is that they only have a little piece too. Right. And they're trying. That's really the 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 and the person, the people that threw us the bone. That's really where we're trying to. Uh, so even at the end of the day, and I know that I hate uh, this is bad because I know what you said about like leaving systems and and whatever. Um, which I think we, you know, is a protest. I mean, we definitely should look at that. But I think there's a generation that probably would not follow us on that, right? Yeah. But I was just talking to, because there are a few other young ladies who have decided to decline commissioning as well, which I give them big props for. Um, But I was like, look, if we're really going to become a united voice, a united front, I I told them, I said, we got to include these, Everybody, we need everybody, Mm -hmm. white women, white men, like we need to be able to, for all of us to really, to really uh, stand together. Black men make, I mean, definitely our regional conference presidents and administrators. I mean, like, I mean, really, if they really wanted to protest with us, I think that we could make some amazing headway because Mm -hmm. again, what the black, what the regional work has done for this overall institution has been nothing short of of God, you know? And so I'm like, well, if we really were to protest, we could make some huge headway. In addition to that, get our white sisters on board, right? brothers on board and really just kind of 
make this thing a, a thing, but we have to become a very united voice, a united front. And I just, I don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't I know, mean, you know, if it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think it can happen. I think um, one of the things that you have to consider or that we have, like, I'm, let me use more um, um, collective language that we have to consider because this is yeah. our fight too, is that not everybody's going to join you. It's going to be a small group. And then you also have to be prepared for the counter narrative. So some of the counter narratives that are out there are some people are going to try to make this a black issue, you know, like right. it's, it's exactly black people trying to get away from white people, which right. is not, you know, the narrative needs to stay and say that this is a discrimination issue and it's a humanitarian. Exactly. Issue. Exactly. Is, that ultimately needs to be the focus. That's why I was like, we got to get everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you are you are rejecting my body because right. by, you know, my body defines that I am a female just by how yeah. I'm made. So you are denying yeah. me as a human being made by God that I can't yeah. have access to certain things. And then also too, I think what needs to also be highlighted is not just um, women in ordination, but how do we treat women as a denomination completely? Right. You know, what are we doing to advocate for women's rights? Um, right. in, in, in countries where we have churches set up where women are abused and women are maltreated, you know, right. really, really terrible. I mean, we got churches in Africa. We know that there are regions and parts in Africa where women can't even uh, walk in the same room as a man inside of a church and things yeah, like that. Jamie, so, like, you, I mean, like at the end of the day, we're like trying to say, we're asking that question when our leader, uh, the leader of our church will come out and say, man, y'all need to stop engaging in all that social justice, just preach the gospel. I think at the end of the day, <laughs> we definitely do not do, uh, do that. I'm, I'm and not saying that I'm smaller scale somewhere. Somebody is taking on the fight. I'm mm -hmm. sure. But mm -hmm. as a denomination, that's not something that we find va value, value in, or even like, you know, um, attempt to. And I think that is a very sad reality for quote unquote, you know, God's church yeah. and that, you know, where we don't stand up for those type of causes. And it's, it's evident inside, uh, inside our, our, our church. I mean, just the fact that we have state and regional conferences, the fact yeah. that women aren't ordained, I think it speaks volumes to, to where we are really yeah. spiritually, even though we try to spiritualize those things, like yeah. women can't be ordained not being ordained for some people is an extremely spiritual matter. Like, right. and that to me is so, <laughs> it's so telling. And yeah. I think also it's, um, you know, and then that whole argument, oh man, if you, if you ordain women, next is going to be, you know, the gays yeah, or the gays, whatever. Right. I think, um, which is the same thing they said about blacks. Okay. Now yep. you, 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 you give blacks regional conferences next thing, you know, women mm -hmm. going to want to be pastors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the whole, the argument never, it never, um, stops, but yeah. I think is that's just such a horrible way to look at a like you said, humanity, like, oh, man, mm -hmm. Blacks and, gonna want their own conferences? What? I mean, right. we, we, are we less than human? Right. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, basically, we treat you like you're subhuman and yeah. you're only there to serve us. And, yeah. you know, and even, even how we do church nominations, like, we look at, there are certain departments in our church that are relegated to women. You know, it's yeah. almost like... Right. Like right. automatically our unconscious bias says that the head usher should be a woman. <laughs> and so people start nominating the, the leader of hospitality should be a woman. Right, you know, when it right. comes to an elder, it should be a man. Right. And and what's crazy is this is like now nah, I was going to make another point, but this stood out to me uh, when I was preaching this Sabbath and I did a, a woman's uh empowerment sermon kind of focused on women and I asked all the women in the church to just stand up and come to the front and I made them turn around would you know Rebecca like the whole church was empty like, I'm sure empty and I had yeah. to tell them I was like look it is a shame that we ignore you so much and that but you are the ones that finance the mission mm-hmm like your yeah. dollars, right, <laughs> you know, right. your dollars keep the, keep these doors open, but yet still we deny you in any and every way possible. Why? Because for fear of us losing what we've gotten, 
And so we don't want you to get it as well or come sit at the yeah, table with us. But that's definitely like a thing that they were, that I, I did some research because I, I did a sermon the other day called uh, Black Girl Magic. And like, um, I had actually found some research that really suggests that, I mean, specifically relating to Black men, that they actually feel that Black women are the cause for them not being able to progress in society Mm -hmm. that we've taken everything that really should have been given to them and that's how we view each like and then black women look at black men as very low like because they're not progressing in society and we're the only we're the only race group that's pitted against each other like that like we work against each other and you see that in relationships you see that play itself out you know whatever but uh, to your point um i was going to say that it's it's really nothing short of like the this whole slave mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, even as women, we find ourselves believing what you've told us about ourselves for so long that man, God can't use me because I'm a woman, right? I can't be more than an usher, a head of usher because that's the place you've kind of given me. You know what I mean? It's like, and why would I fight against that? Why would I? Why would I begin to buck against? you know, uh, against yeah. that. Like, I'm comfortable here. This is what we feel like God wants. This is what we, you know what I mean? Like, the, people were using, like, as we all know, I mean, I don't want to sound like a cliche or a sounding simple. Like, it's like, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, people use the Bible to justify why you as a Black person should stay as a slave, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, we, if you, if we, if somebody never bucked against that, we would still be where we were, you know, mm-hmm. if, 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 if civil rights movement never happened, we would still be where we were. And right now, and as women, because you're right, I think women are the, the biggest barrier to us really breaking through. Like, like you said, like my biggest challenges have been from other women, not men. Right. It mm-hmm. literally has like when I, be, when I got sent to my own churches, half the congregation left because they were getting a female pastor, but the females were very vocal about how they felt about me being there, you know, and it was very, very interesting. And that's why it's up to us as men to, to change that narrative because we the ones that taught the women that that women should not be in ministry. So it's, it's like what I say about white supremacy and white privilege, white people generally aren't going to listen to me talk about white supremacy I need these white pastors and these white churches to have these conversations and yeah. to tell them like, yo, there is something called supremacy and there is something called privilege that you right. benefit from and to teach you. So that's where, and it goes back to what we've been saying from before. We have to make this our fight. Yeah. And, and it can't just be from the pastors in the pews as well. This and is I want to call, fight. like, cause I don't want this to just be a podcast where we're like, you know, I want, there are some very, practical things that I think we can do right now that I hope we can share on this podcast, uh, you know, before we, we conclude it. I also want to say this, I was telling somebody, I saw the most amazing thing today. I was, um, walking my daughter into her school and this young boy, you know, who I guess is in her class walks in with his dad and he had this t-shirt over his regular shirt and the t-shirt was pink and it said girls rule. And I mm-hmm. absolutely thought that was the most amazing thing I had seen in a while because mm-hmm. it was clear that whoever dressed him was was trying to send a message like we support women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he walked in there so boldly and confidently. And I think as you're saying, it has to be our fight like let's champion each other we can move this thing forward so fast and together you know like like you said number one i think one thing that can happen everywhere is you know for pastors if you're listening to this really whether you're black white whether asian it doesn't matter champion this from your pulpit begin to begin to teach your your congregants your members you know, about discrimination, period. Don't make it, it's not a theological issue about the discrimination that's happening within our church. And begin to kind of just talk to them about this this entire um, issue, you know, and I think that's a great place 
for pastors to start, how they can help get get involved. Also, if you're a female pastor and you're hearing this, we would love, me and Danielle Pilgrim, Pilgrim are trying to reach out to uh, some different uh, female pastors in each union you know, rep- so that they can represent that union. And we're trying to kind of link up. So if you hear this as a female, whether you're Asian, <laughs> black, white, doesn't matter, please, Hispanic, like you can reach out to me. You can email me. My email is Rebecca N. Davis at gmail.com. Um, reach out to me. And if you want to be a part of this um, and we'll definitely get back with you as soon as possible, but um, we're, we're wanting to kind of start there so we can all just become united uh, together and have one voice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I also want to make an appeal to, even if you are a woman, that's not the Seventh day Adventist, you're a woman in clergy we understand yeah. that you too have the same struggles that for long, I thought it was just Sunday Adventists. Uh, I'm sure Rebecca and Daniel would love to have your voices um, to be a part of this movement that's happening, um, that's currently happening with our sisters and, you know, just to empower them. And so brothers, uh, let's do what we need to do. Let's stand beside our sisters. Let's let them uh, tell us how they want us to stand beside them and what we can do. And as we fight for not just women equality in the church, but outside the church as well. Um, well, I was going to say, too, because that is, um, you know, a great way. Like, I applaud you for trying to, um, you know, send back your credentials and take on that commission commission credential uh, just to stand in solidarity uh, with us. I, I, I applaud you for doing this, uh, this podcast. There's also a zeal conference coming up this this weekend where Mike Polite and some of the students are, are trying to um, really speak to this uh, this issue of women's ordination, which I think is amazing. Also, um, you know, I think it's going to be incumbent for you guys at your church, like you did with your, your women, to really kind of, uh, you know, push it at your churches. I think that's going to be, be huge. Continue to write your articles you know, all that, all the, that great thing. But I think for really, if we can begin to start trying to, uh, to find a way to incorporate our constituents in this battle, I believe it's going to be a very grassroots. It's not going to come from the top down. It's going to be from the grassroots. Our churches, real, our members really starting to see like, man, this should not be happening in our churches and really start fighting against it, you know, um, together. And it's going to take the women of your churches. Like you said, most of your churches is women. You mm-hmm. know, most, most of our churches are women. And so mm-hmm. really to get them on board to see, like, this is happening to you. Yeah. And just because I'm I'm the actual female pastor, this impacts you as well. And, it, you know, to really, again, see it as our fight and our battle, I think is just, uh, it would be beautiful and definitely make a lot of headway. Yeah, totally, totally. So, Rebecca, man, thanks for taking time out of your day. Thanks for um, uh, doing this for me. I'm, I'm sure this is probably the most meaningful part of your day, uh, <laughs> being on this podcast with me. <laughs> and talking about something that actually makes sense, you know, (laughs) but no, I'm just messing with you. You know, you've always been my ace from day one in seminary, and I applaud you and appreciate all that you do, and I do believe that um, change is going to come. I do believe it. I do, I do, but it's going to take us working together and us Mm -hmm. protesting, standing every way you can. I feel like I just got to keep speaking to the people, Uh, Jamie, like, standing whatever way you can. Like, somebody called me, and they were talking about well, should I decline commissioning or should I not? Now, look, if we all decided that that was the united voice we were going to have as women in the ministry, like, yeah, I, de- I definitely think it's important that we would stand together like that. However, we have not done that yet. So I yeah. feel like, but I feel like every, whether you're commissioned or you decline it, 
it's all right now a win for women. So I don't mm-hmm. want anybody to feel like they that's not, we need you to just go out there and whatever you do, knock it out of the park. Cause that's a win for women. You know, like be the best that you can be under God, you know, just do what you can do. That's a win for us. So, yeah, so I want everybody to know that. Yeah. So the formula is this, it's educate, participate and agitate. So educate, yeah. learn everything that you can about this issue. Um, participate, that means write blogs, do podcasts, yeah. um, preach it at your church, talk about yeah. it everywhere. And agitate means <laughs> go and make some waves, stand yeah. together and protest. Yeah. And yeah. eventually change is going to come. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you got it. So, ladies and gentlemen, please get in contact with Rebecca Davis. Thank yes, you for please. listening. Thanks and for having let's me continue. On. Continue to pray. Let, let me do my closing. We jump in there. Like, like you a rapper. Like, I'm, here, I'm, man. Like, you gave me like little ad libs. Like you, you a amigos or something. So let me do my closing before I cut you off. But as you can see, I always have fun with Rebecca. So, uh, but she's she is she's she's the real deal. And um, you know, we thank God for her and the other women like her for standing up. And if you're afraid to stand up, uh, be empowered by her boldness and by her courage, and to know that you too can raise your voice about the things that matter. Um, any last words you, you have for the folks, Rebecca? Oh, so I can talk now. So I can say yeah, you now. can talk. You have permission. <laughs> No, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do, man, as we all work together and uh, as we try to move this thing forward. And I'm really, I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm all of that. But I believe that if we stand together, it's going to be beneficial. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. There you have it. Raise your voice. Signing out. Peace. There's a woman in the Bible who oftentimes goes unrecognized, and when she is acknowledged, she's often vilified for her actions. But what she did in the scriptures, as we read it, speaks volumes in regards to what's happening to women in the church and also in our world. Her name is Vashti, Queen Vashti to be exact, and her story is found in the first chapter of the book of Esther. And what we're able to understand from that text is that her husband Xerxes was in a drunken stupor. They had been getting lit all week. And on the final day of the celebration, the Bible says that he commanded his servants to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. Queen Vashti took a stand and said, essentially, I'm a queen and not a thought. She refused to acquiesce to the king's command. Some scholars would suggest that he wanted her to come out publicly only wearing her royal crown. The other men in the palace got together when they heard about the news and told the king that We have to do something about her because if the word gets out that she refused, then the queen's conduct will become known to all the women and so they will despise their husbands. And so what we see here is that suddenly it became an issue of power and control. Queen Vashti refused to allow the men to dictate what she can do with her body. And now they are scared of the kind of influence that she will have simply because she stood up and said no. It's amazing to me that they created this narrative and the lies along with it, that if other women out here say the same or hear about this, they will do the same thing. And so what if they do? So what if women stand up and women decide to use their voice to dictate and to let us know what they want to and what they don't want to do? In our podcast today, Rebecca expressed to us the same sentiment But she stood up for a righteous cause and said, no, I don't want to be commissioned. Because she did that, she was vilified by her own people and even those in her own gender class. But what also stands out to me is the narrative that went along with Queen Vashti's protest. It's the same narrative that was created about Rebecca Davis's protest. If we ordain women 
then we have to start doing the same for sex, same-sex marriages, or next we will have to ordain transgenders. False narratives are created to drive fear into the hearts and minds of people so that they miss the big picture. Women's rights, women's ordination is a human issue. It is essentially saying that we reject you women, we reject your body because of how you are made or because of who you are, that you cannot sit at the same table that this male fraternity sits at as well. It can't be just their fight. Men have to stand alongside them as well. And we have to also speak up and not just speak up, but listen to their voices and see how we can support them in every which way and not just with our voices, but also with our dollars. Well, Queen Vashti was reprimanded for standing up. She was kicked out of the palace and stripped of her title according to those men. But nevertheless, she was still a queen because a title does not define who you are or whose you are. The other amazing factor is this, that by her taking a stand, it essentially opened the door for Esther to get into the palace and for her to accomplish God's will. Remember that when you stand, you open the door for others. And when you go through that door, please make sure you leave it open so that others may get inside as well. So I thank you for listening to our podcast recording today. Please uh, share your comments. Please share it with your friends. Please subscribe and have a great day. And let's continue to raise our voice.